welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. I'm fantastic. Thank you, Yuri. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are things over uh, on your side of the world right now? <laughs> um, nice and sunny, actually, would you believe it? <laughs> we don't get we don't get a lot of sunshine, but no, doing well so far. Well, that's great. <laughs> Is it usually kind of cold and dreary and rainy this time of year? Uh, not so much. It's what is technically British summer, but British summer is a bit of a hit and miss thing. Mm-hmm. So at the minute, it's nice and warm and enjoying the sunshine. And hopefully we've got a few more weeks of it before it disappears off for another nine months. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. It's not. Uh, so I'm in Boston. It's it's not quite as bad over here, but uh, but it gets pretty like right right now. It's it's getting cool rather quickly. So yeah. um, I'm just looking forward to the fact that it's not going to start snowing for at least three to four months. It'll just be kind of cold and slightly mm. more dreary, but no snow yet. <laughs> when everything will grind to a halt. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Because when it snows, then it's just like it comes in full force. And then suddenly there's like mountains of snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about your work and what you've done. And so you run a website that's called Inky Paws Art. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Excellent. So what's what's the main focus of that site? Really, it's healing through art is probably the best way to describe it. I use art as a tool for healing. Um, I've done that for years and I wanted to share that with the world. So that's very much what the site is based around, is that those two aspects, that self-care, self-worth, and the healing side of art, and actually getting into just being creative for creative sake, Mm -hmm. rather than, I need to paint this beautiful, pretty picture and focus on the end result, just to be able to enjoy the process and step out of the comfort zone a bit. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. With that, how do you describe your i guess role in this and and what you and what your work is about so it's funny you should mention that actually there was one of my friends put up on facebook recently describe what you do for a living but make it sound scary mm-hmm. which had me howling so i've put i use poison and alchemy to steal your soul and influence your emotions <laughs> which i think is a really great way of explaining art because right. it impacts you at a far deeper level than just that immediate glance and you can be thinking about a certain piece of artwork for months or it'll come back to just click you and it influences your emotions so that's very much what I do I make art I play around with paint and paper and I try and help people actually engage with those emotions and make something of them rather than pushing them to one side mm-hmm. Yeah, that, so that's a very interesting way to describe what it is that you actually do. I uh, so I live in Salem, Massachusetts, and um, 
if somebody were to say that out loud here, it would mean something totally different because there are uh, professional witches around here who yes. have shops dedicated to that. So <laughs> I'm very interested to kind of see what they would say um, uh, to describe something like that. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of cool. All right. So what originally sparked your interest in being an artist and being creative and expressing yourself in this way? Well, for me, creativity is very innate. Um, I genuinely believe that everyone was born creative, but some people have that creativity nurtured, others have it suppressed. And I was very lucky in that my mother was an intuitive creative and both my grandmothers were quite happy to let me and my sister make as much mess as we wanted, which thankfully. (laughs) So... It's always been a kind of escape for both me and my sister. We both sort of hide in this world of paint and glue and collage and whatever. And when I, as I got older, I suffered from a number of mental health issues and I found myself retreating into art in some way, shape or form more and more, coming back, being fine, everything was okay, and then having the same mental breakdowns and then going back and retreating into art again. Um, And it came to a point about 12 months ago when I was suffering very badly from chronic fatigue where I was like, I'm using creativity to heal, um, and I need coping mechanisms that are better than what I have because over the years I've developed some very unhealthy coping mechanisms. So I started really pouring my heart and soul into my artwork not worrying about creating something pretty but just really mucking around with paint and paper and engaging with emotions Mm -hmm. rather than just pushing emotions away which we're all prone to doing Um, and it really made me sit back and think about how certain uh, events in my life had impacted me and what was I holding on to from them? And it helped me become one with my emotions, really, and understand that actually, yes, this did happen. Yeah, it sucked. It was really shitty time, but I got through it and I learned something from it. And that's what art did for me was helped me to really amalgamate those painful experiences into something that's really quite nurturing and helped me get over it, really. So that it's not something that I push away and hide from. It's something I actively embrace. Most of the things I'm quite happy to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel a more fully balanced, well-rounded person. It's helped me take steps that I would never have taken before. I left the corporate world in April this year. And I literally turned around one day and said, that's it, I'm done, and walked out. And I had no safety net, no backup plan. I would never have done that 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. And just by coming to terms with those emotions and using creativity in that way, I was able to take steps in my life that I didn't even dream were really possible. They were sort of a well, wishful thinking, if you like. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I'm curious then, that so that decision you made to leave your corporate job full-time without having a safety net that's that's got to be terrifying i know there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who probably would like to do the exact same thing so what was it so what were you thinking at that moment and what like did you already have 
this idea for a site already planned or it was just like I'm done I'll figure it out afterward because I can't take this anymore it was literally that I'd literally hit a breaking point of I'm sick of the bullshit politics that go on in that world Mm -hmm. and I'd hit a point where it was like this is ridiculous I'm I'd hit, I'd gone full circle in that particular role. I couldn't make any progress in that role. I'd reached that ceiling and I wasn't getting anywhere with the interviews. I wasn't getting anywhere with the job and it was becoming more and more unfulfilling to drag my ass out of bed for nine, nine, ten hours a day to be out of the house, a two hour commute. And I just hit a point of this is ridiculous. All I'm doing is grinding, grinding my health into the ground. And I could see myself starting to hit those triggers again that I'd hit the year before. I was like, I'm sick of doing this. I've had enough. Um, Inky Paws was already in the pipeline, but I didn't think I was going to jump in and just do it. I w- my, my, the plan in my mind was like most people, where I wanted to build up Inky Paws. I wanted it to become something and then I could safely leave my job and it would all work out nicely. And it didn't happen that way. Um, I had to make a decision of what was more important to me, the financial income and the stability of a job or my health. Um, and having done, having had similar crashes and burns three or four times over the last 10 years, um, this time it was a case of, no, something has to give and my health is more important. Yeah. What corporate job, what, what were you doing in your, in your job at that time? I dealt with complaints. <laughs> <laughs> I was co- I was a complaint manager. A complaint manager. Wow. For uh, can can you say what company it was for? Yes, I can actually because I don't work for them anymore. It was for Barclays Bank. Oh, okay. So bank. So you so uh, <laughs> so people complain about like what missing deposits and like just things well, being messed up or or what part? In the in the UK, we had a huge issue with PPI, um, payment protection insurance. Okay. And that's what I predominantly dealt with. And I dealt with that for our independent body, which is the Financial Ombudsman Service. Mm-hmm. So I was that sort of at that face face level of I'm presenting the corporate face of Barclays complaints to a different governing body mm-hmm. and giving them all the details they need to make that independent decision. Wow, that's that's got to be really taxing just to like if your day is or is just kind of full of people complaining that's got to take a toll on you in one way or the other yeah it's emotionally draining it really is and even though i didn't have any face-to-face interaction with our actual customers Mm -hmm. you're still reading through those complaints you're reading through those documents that are dissatisfied um and unfortunately in some cases you're reading where we as a bank screwed up spectacularly Mm -hmm. and then in other cases you're reading people's lies people's bullshit because unfortunately people did so it it's you you do become emotionally invested in that customer journey because you want it to be right Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure the decision is is the right decision not what's best for the bank not what's ideal for the customer but based on the evidence we have in front of us what is the right decision and you become emotionally invested in that journey Okay, so so you're going through this day in day out, and then one day you say enough is enough, and you quit. Where did did you always have the idea? I know you mentioned this before. So the idea of Inky Paws, where did that name come from? And 
And why on that day when you quit did you decide this is this is what I'm going to go for? Well, Inky Paws itself goes back. Oh God, where are we? 2000. So about eight years it goes back now. And I used to do a lot of scrapbooking. Um, I tend to go through like phases with my creativity, mm-hmm. um, and I love all sorts of different types. But I was scrapbooking very heavily, and I had a cat who would quite happily have a wander across the paper, sit in one of the boxes, batter an embellishment about. And I would also had quite a mixed media style even then. And I'd be covered in paint. So my husband would come in and he'd be like, ah, inky paws, because obviously there's a cat next to me and I'm covered in paint. Um, So it became the name of my blog back then. And when I was looking at where I wanted to take my creativity in a sort of professional coaching capacity, which is what Inky Paws has kind of been developing into. It was like, well, what would my business name be? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I could have used my own name. I could have used any number of names. And it was just Inky Paws felt right to me. Mm-hmm. So it was one of these that's followed me around for quite a number of years. And it really does describe what I do. And... You know, I could have gone with so many iterations on self-care or some sort of mixed media art. And it's when it comes to art, I find that being authentic is far more rewarding than getting SEO brownie points. Mm -hmm. So rather than going for something that just explained what I did as a bog standard, I do mixed media art. I'm an artist. It's more than that. So let's have a name that feels right for me. One that I've, you know, I've lived with it for years. So why wouldn't I use it at this stage? And when I made that decision to just pack in completely, um, I sat there for, I think it was about two weeks. Um, It was like, right, is this really what I want to do? Or am I just going to update my CV and look for something else? Um, And it was a bit of a conundrum because I was rapidly approaching burnout at that point. And it was a sink or swim thing for me financially too because it was like I have to have income from somewhere I have a roof to keep over my head I still have to eat I still have to live so I took a couple of weeks out and then went hell for leather with Inky Paws just working on what I could launch what products I could figure out um, where I wanted to go what I really wanted to do with it and getting more and more specific and trying out new ideas as well Mm -hmm. because it's very much in its infancy so for all I have all these ideas going on if I don't test them then I'm going nowhere so it was it's been one hell of a learning curve but it's been very rewarding in that respect but it was so scary when I first left oh yeah I bet when that so with that the fear that you had about leaving were there I guess were there things that you did to help alleviate some of that fear or did you just kind of embrace it and go with it and just and we're like you know what that's I made this decision and I have to keep pushing forward and kind of like you know burn the boats type of uh, mentality it's a bit of both actually um so I am quite a pig-headed stubborn person at times (laughs) (laughs) as my mother would and father would delight in pointing out to me but I had a moment of well, I, I suppose we've all had moments of what the hell am I doing? Why the fuck did I do that? That was the stupidest, most irresponsible decision ever. And when I got like that, I actually sat down and went, right, okay. I made the decision to leave. Could I have re- 
could I have reasonably kept going in that job? No. Mm -hmm. Well, what else could I have done other than leave? Well, you could have found a new job first. Yeah, but I'd be looking for three months on by that point. You know, at what point is my health less important than that income? Well, mm -hmm. it, it's not. I'd made that decision. Um, and I started doing EFT tapping, which for me has been very therapeutic. Um, whether it's a placebo effect or not, for me, it's worked. So I started doing that around the fears that I have, and it's helped me feel more relaxed. It's almost meditative without actually meditating. So I did a lot. I did a lot of internal work on that fear. I did a lot of art journaling, um, and I did a lot of just sharing with people where I was, what was going on, um, what my story was, that sort of thing. And that got me a lot more comfortable with what I'd done. Oh sure. So what's EFT tapping? So. EFT tapping, so EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, mm -hmm. and it's basically, the idea is your body has energy points, and you physically tap them and talk through your fears. So it's a really handy, holistic tool for me. Um, I don't treat it as the be-all and end-all, but I do find it very helpful and very grounding. So, yeah, it it's literally what it says on the tin, and actually Wiki for once has a really good explanation of it. Okay. <laughs> Oh, okay, so let's walk me through a little bit of that. So, like, for example, if you're feeling, I don't know, uh, scared about a meeting you have to go into, where do you tap? Like, so, it, where's it, yeah, where do you tap on your body yeah, about that? Yeah, there's a number of energy points, um, okay. but the one I tend to use to start with is on my chest, and it's just under your collarbone. Okay. You just physically tap on that, and I talk about what's bothering me. I talk about, like, the root issue. Um, I'm scared that no one will buy my artwork. I'm scared that no one wants to listen to me, mm. like that. And then I'll move on to tap under my ribs and continue that sort of dialogue with myself. Um talk about why I'm frightened by that and a lot of these things go back to stuff that I experienced as a child like being bullied mm -hmm. um, being rejected that kind of thing um, move on to the next point and then I'll sit there and go right even though I feel this way I deeply and completely love and accept myself and then move on and just keep doing that and it's a re reiteration um, and a lot of repetition and you start to really acknowledge what's happened and yes those things were real but that's not your reality mm -hmm. And it's it helped me accept a lot of the shit that's gone on in life. Oh sure. Oh good. Well, that sounds really interesting because I. So I talk to myself all the time anyway. But so it's interesting that, that you're like having a conversation about yeah. your fears, and then you're also. So does the tapping, does it help reinforce it? Is it like a a physical reaction it, to something? Where does that? It helps me. Well. To me, it helps me get in tune with my body and how my body feels about it. Okay. So, you know, when you recall a memory or something really crappy that happened and you have this physical sensation, like usually in your stomach, you feel sick to the pit of your stomach. Yeah. It helps you really get in tune with, OK, I've got this feeling. This is that feeling. Ah, right. And you work, you start to work through it rather than just it helps ground that feeling into your body. It helps you accept that feeling. And it is a bit on the woo-woo side, but like I say, it works for me, and I really don't care why these things work, only mm -hmm. that these techniques work for me, so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, woo-woo or not, who cares? If it's working for you, that's all that really matters. Exactly. That's the important thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because they've done dozens and dozens of study about placebos, and, and oftentimes placebos actually work 
better than the actual uh, you know pills that are yeah. being taken just because you believe that they're going to work so you know who cares uh, if it's working yeah. for you, I say go for it. So good for you. Exactly. Mind of a matter. And quite frankly, if it's got no scientific backing, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about your, your actual website then. So I'm really curious because when someone goes in your website, they see this uh, quiz they can take called Creative Viagra. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that, that just brings up, you know, uh, quite the barrage of imagery. Um, so what is that? So what's that quiz supposed to do and elicit in, in somebody besides the, the obvious? Besides entertaining me immensely with all the innuendos I could come up with. Exactly. Oh, so much fun. Um, that was born out of a I'm bored of creating um, little five day challenges for this or how to draw X. It was mm. I know that I flit from creative activity to creative activity, but I also know that some people really find their creative groove in certain areas. So for some people, it's photography. For others, like scrapbooking. For me, it's been mixed media. For some people, it's needlework. Mm-hmm. Um, for my, like for my mother, she is, if she's sewing something, she switches off to the world and everything's fine. For my sister, it's like clay and big 3D models. So what I wanted to do was show people that creativity is more than just making art. It's more than just that fine art aspect. And there are ways of finding that without having to go and spend a fortune. So I put together that quiz, which it uh, the questions it asks, and it is a bit of fun, but mm-hmm. The responses I've had were actually the results were really accurate for people, which was quite cool. And at the end, I've I've left, I think I've got between six and nine resource pages for people at the end, depending on which um, output they get, okay. what result they get, so that they can go and explore that even further. And it was really to try and find a creative outlet that works for you based on the answers to those questions. And like I say, I've had a really good response to it, but it was just fun to make from the innuendo side of things. <laughs> I bet. So I haven't taken it yet, but now I think I'm going to have to, again, just because I love the name of it so much. But if someone were to take it, then what are the – you said there's like nine different avenues? Um, or There's there's six different out, outcomes six, at the end, okay, six and, different ones. And what are and those six? So there is – I've got to remember now. There is <laughs> mixed media. Mm-hmm scrapbooking or memory keeping whichever you like to call it um photography fine art there's textiles there we go and the last one was writing writing and journaling right there it is okay because there is no reason it has to be just art so everyone hears art or creativity and thinks of a picasso or a degas Mm mm-hmm and it's like, it's not that. There's so much more. And that quiz really helps to sort of open that world up to people and get out of that bubble of art is fine art. Mm-hmm. Art is pretentious. And it really isn't. I guess with your site and the work that you're doing, it's it's not so much as that you're trying to create, again, fine artists, but you're trying to get people to express themselves in a creative way so they can overcome some of their... Uh, their personal, I guess, setbacks? 
Yeah, it's creative expression and self-expression and engaging with your emotions. Mm-hmm. How do you, and this may be just part of your course, but how do you help people kind of release that? Because I know there's so much in in art, and especially if you try to show it to somebody else, that's like so personal. And, and if you don't feel that you're a good artist, that a lot of people are, are apprehensive to you know really put themselves into their art. How do you help them kind of, I guess, let go of that fear? So in short, I share my ugly work. <laughs> so that's what you put it. Um, sure. I did, it was part of an opt-in I did last year, which was called Re- Resurrect Your Creativity, um, in which I basically did a 10-day um, class designed to just get into the flow of creating something doesn't have to be good doesn't have to be pretty and in those 10 days I produce some utterly ugly art but the thing is it's still art and it's about that process and looking at right okay I don't like how this looks but what have I learned from it what would I do differently and you know if it did work fantastic how could I take it a step further and just really starting to engage with that page further than it's not perfect I must push it away so I did that um, and that was very interesting because it it was the first like real course I'd done but for me it was very scary but liberating putting out into the world some ugly ass art and making it public because i shared the stuff that went well but i also shared the stuff that was just shit Mm -hmm. that i would never share with anyone normally Mm -hmm. and you know putting that out was a big deal for me but for other people to be able to see that and you know people are going to judge that regardless i'm i'm okay with that but the point of it was look at what you can do with this and if you don't like it that's okay it's paper and paint start again and it a lot of the stuff I've done over the last year has followed in a similar vein where I've shared my process from end to end so there'll be an ugly phase there'll be bits I don't like there'll be bits that um, I go back paint over completely and start from scratch Mm -hmm. you know we all have parts of our artwork that we don't like and it's really easy to fall into a comparison phase of their work's amazing I could never do that and it's like well actually yes you could but it does take a bit of practice and what people forget is there is not a single artist that is perfect first time every time it it just doesn't exist um there are plenty of us out there who create for creativity's sake and because we enjoy the process and that's very much what I've tried to instill is you've got to start somewhere um, and one of the girls I was working with at the beginning of this year her passion even as a kid was for taxidermy she wanted to stuff dead animals and I have no experience with taxidermy I do not want to start doing taxidermy <laughs> ever but that's what she was passionate about and she was so scared of getting it wrong or being judged by other people for it Mm -hmm. and we had a couple of coaching sessions and I said look why do you think you've got to share it with people you don't have to 
You know, I share it with people because I want them to see there is this ugly stage. I want them to see that it's not all um, cake and icing. You know, it's there's work that goes into the back of it. You know, um, I do preliminary sketches. I test out color ideas. I screw up so many bits of paper that I'm not happy with. Um, but there is no requirement for anyone to share their artwork. They don't have to. And she was like, oh, I didn't even think of it like that. But people are going to see it because I'll be doing it at home. I was like, yeah, but you can clear that stuff away. You don't have to leave it out for them. And she'd never even thought of it like that. She she thought that, well, it has to be out all the time and on display because I've done it. And it doesn't have to be like that. You choose who you share that with. And especially if you're working through an emotion or an idea or something well, working through anything, yeah. you may not want to share that. You don't have to. Yeah. And that's – so I'm – since you mentioned this, I'm really curious to see what, like, an emotional expression through taxidermy looks like. I would love to see it. She hasn't sent me anything as yet, but I know she's doing it because yeah. she, tell, she tells me that she's doing it and she's enjoying it. But that's... I don't know what the output is yet. She's not ready to share. Oh, which sure. Is okay. Yeah, of course. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. So I grew up in the – in the Midwest part of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, in the northern part, and there were there were lots of uh, taxidermist taxidermists around in the area, and uh, so I was always it's something that's I find curious and a little bit different. But uh, now I, I had and honestly I had never really thought of uh, again emotional expression through taxidermy until you just mentioned this today. So which is I'm learning something new every day. This is fascinating. Well, it's one of these things of when she mentioned it, I was like, well. That is creative. It you know, definitely is. Yeah, I've, I've seen some really bad taxidermy. <laughs> well, I think there's actually a Tumblr page called Bad Taxidermy. <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> and, you know, there, there is such thing as horrific taxidermy. But there's also really good stuff out there. And mm-hmm. I, I must admit, I find it a little bit creepy. <laughs> the, I... I appreciate the whole cycle of life and death. We're all going to die. That's fine. And once they're dead, they're dead. They shouldn't be stuffed back and upright and glassy-eyed. That freaks me out a bit. (laughs) But she finds it relaxing. She finds it enjoyable. Go for it. Right, exactly. To each their own. I think that's great. Yeah. (laughs) So with with everything that you work on these days and and you further evolving your site, do you have... Um, you know, ways that you focus your time? Are there times of the day where you feel more creative than the other? Or or how do you manage all of that? Um, I don't have the time of day that I am more creative or less creative. I tend to go through fits and starts of doing different projects. So because I work on a lot of mixed media stuff and I work in layers, I find that I have about five or six projects on the go at any one time because I have to let things dry. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if you just work again and again and again on the same piece, you start to get mud, um, things start to slide, you have to give things time to actually dry. So I tend to go through, right, everything's now wet, uh, right, I'll go and do something on the website or I'll go and look at something else or I'll write a blog post and then I'll come back to it. So it tends to be a bit of a circular activity for me um and it depends on what i'm up to like at the minute i'm doing a bit of a website overhaul Mm -hmm. just purely 
because I'm at that point where I need to start looking a little bit more in a little bit more depth at the technical side of things, which I've been putting off for quite a while. So it's been really handy that I can do that whilst I'm leaving things to dry. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> with so with your website and your and your business, how did you or it could be how you now? How do you find coaching clients? Do they come to you? Did you like? Did you do you go to a, a group or an event to find those, or how does that work? At the moment, um, people get a referral to me from somebody I've already worked with, usually, or somebody's recommended me. Um, I've just got the coaching sessions up on the site, so they've literally like just come in this week. Okay. Um, so what we're if we're a few months down the line when this goes out, then it'll have been up and it'd be a bit more developed. Okay. But I find that so rewarding just to be able to sit down with somebody and talk about where they are. What is it they're finding scary? And then to see the results afterwards. So one of the clients I've had recently, she's um, scared of doing faces. She is amazing at drawing. Her pencil sketches are so detailed. And hell, she even managed knitwear looking authentic in a biro i was like how does that even work that wow yeah. but she's too scared to put the depth in her face ah. she can do the basic features but doing the shading she finds it scary so we talked around ways to get around that fear rather than just going right start working on that piece spend seven hours then do the face well why don't you photocopy it and work on the photocopy that way, you're not losing seven hours' work, and if it doesn't work, you've lost a photocopy. Yeah, That's exactly. That's great. Um, working in coloured pencils, because coloured pencils are far more forgiving than graphite. Um, for all they're permanent, they are more forgiving. You build the layers up far more easily than you can with graphite. So doing that and also putting a timer on it, you know, do a seven-minute sketch. Mm-hmm. Rather than spending seven hours on this, do a seven minutes, see what you can get in those seven minutes. Um, and we talked through a lot of ideas and techniques. And I, I give all my coaching clients at the end a PDF of basically what we discussed and links to any resources that they could utilize as well. Because one of her big things was she wants to be able to do like fairy wings and make her niece into a fairy. And I said, well, why don't you use like Snapchat filters? Because that gives you a full composite image to use straight away without having to paste things together. Yeah. And she's like, I'd never even thought of that. <laughs> and it's, it's one of these things of just getting somebody that's totally outside that circle really helps come up with ideas that are so simple. You probably haven't thought of because mm -hmm. you become, you become very um, secluded in your work. You become very sort of, this is my art. This is what I do. And this is how I do it. And we forget to try something slightly different. And sometimes you need that session to just go, well, you know, you don't have to paint a masterpiece straight away. Do some, uh, I can't say, it. do some preliminary drawings, do some prelim sketches, then come back and do a set piece. But and then you get, but nobody else does that. Well, actually, they do. I don't know a single artist that hasn't done some sort of preliminary sketching. Oh, yeah, they all do. I mean, it's not... Exactly. It's, it's standard. Yeah, of course. You can't just jump into into the final product, you know, s straight away. You do... I mean, there's... 
you know, if you look at some of the, excuse me, some of the greats, they actually have sketchbooks and notebooks and notebooks full of just how they wanted to set up the composition or how a hand was going to look. And now, exactly. you know, years later, those are being framed because they're, you know, very accomplished artists. But, um, but yeah, no, you can't just, no one just kind of just jumps into the final yeah. product right away. Exactly. And it's having that almost a sounding board to say, well, actually, no, it's not like that. It's not how you're imagining it. Right. And I know some people who use that as a sort of a security blanket of I can't do that because X. And then when somebody challenges them on it, they either hold on tighter to that security blanket or go, oh, I don't really need this then, do I? And goes off and does it anyway. It's like the lady who's doing taxidermy. She sat there with the, I can't do it because, I can't do it because. And when I pointed out, well, why not? It's creative. You know, you enjoy it. Why not? She was like, ah, yeah, good point. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested then with everything that you've done, the people that you've, you've chatted with and, and everything you've worked on, what would you say is the best advice you have ever received? <laughs> oh... Now, I've been racking my brains about this for most of the day now, (laughs) (laughs) and it's a really, really tricky one. But I think my favorite is actually, um, it's got to be one that my grandmother gave me. And it's, if they aren't paying your bills, they're not worth your time. That's great. And I've heard variations of over the years, not my circus, not my monkeys, um, RuPaul's, if they ain't paying your bills, pay them bitches, no mind, which I also quite like. Um, (laughs) But the end result is the same is if they are not paying your bills, then you can't, you know, you can't pay bills with someone's opinions. Right. And if they're going to judge you, they're going to judge you. That doesn't actually help you. And it says more about them than it does about you. So move on. Yeah. But yeah. That's that's the best one. <laughs> I like it. Those are very, very wise words. So, Jenny, again, thank you for taking the time today to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. Of course. Of course. I uh, really appreciate it. Great. If the listeners want to see more yep. of your work and find you online, what's the best way they can do that? Best way is to head over to www.inkypawsart.com and follow me there or head over to Facebook again, Inky Paws Art. And I'm there as well. They're the be- they're the two best ones, but I'm all over the interweb at the minute. <laughs> okay, great. And I'll put a link to both of those in the, uh, in the chat so that they can just click right through. Yep. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you for having me, Yuri. Have an awesome afternoon. Thank you. I will. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Art Podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.